and welcome to the final episode of the year 2022. Hey, I got that right. Uh, I do want to remind you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, contact us at one card, one cub, one beer at gmail.com. Uh, next week, we are going to introduce Patreon. I know you were just sitting on the edge of your seat saying, how can we help support this, this podcast, this web channel? Well, here's your chance. We're going to uh, also introduce uh, some merch and uh, ways that you could uh, participate in the show. And also, if you're watching on Mac or PC, in the bottom right-hand corner, you see our logo. It is kind of faint. But click on that and you can subscribe to the uh, YouTube channel so you will not miss one beat. We have special guests today. We have my son, Maxwell Opper, who's going to be with us. And we also have Mr. Tom Cook. We're going to interview Tom, who has a podcast called The Worst Fans in Baseball. Max, how are you doing today? Fantastic. Fantastic. I yep, that's words. about it. <laughs> Did you have a good Christmas? I had a wonderful Christmas. Look what I'm wearing. Check this out. Oh, hey, there I it love is. It. I love it. Thank you. That was uh, my present from Max. I do appreciate that. Um, it You're is welcome. true. I am suffering from baseball withdrawal. I've been quite uh, frank with people on uh, how I suffered this time of year. <laughs> Excuse me. So, <laughs> JJ, what's up with you? Well, I want to wish you everybody, I hope everybody had a good Christmas and we got New Year's coming up. Be safe out there. Uh, I have to show you shared your shirt. I got this is the shirt, one of the shirts I got for Christmas. I got the uh, last stand right there with uh, Wainwright, Pujols, and Yachty walking off the field and the arch in the background. Love that. Nice. And uh, man, with the holidays, it's been quiet in Cardinalville. Few things I've looked up i've done a lot of research just to find something but um evidently uh taylor o'neill tyler o'neill is in st louis and he's working on stretching and elasticity because he's a big muscle guy and he always ends up getting hurt so this year he's uh starting his off season really early getting ready for the for the spring training coming up uh also heard that uh paul de young is down there at jupiter already at the car facility getting ready for the season and he's had a, a couple of years, really down years. So I hope he bounces back. I think we got one more year in his contract. Uh, I'm sure he's going to play some shortstop. I hope he kind of regains what he used to have. We'll see. Uh, anyway, we got him for another year. We'll see what happens. I'm glad he's out there working. And it, it's already we the winner to me, because we're baseball fans, it's November, December, January, February. Rounds Valentine's Day, everybody shows up for spring training. And uh, the Cardinals only have two and a half weeks before we have our winter warm-up, which is kind of like starting to happen, starting to get there slowly but surely. Uh, I'm not going to go, but I know I have a lot of friends that are going to go. And uh, I think most of the Cardinals will be there. And then uh, we have a little treat earlier this year. We got the World Baseball Classic. And I think that's pretty important for the Cardinals and the Cubs because we both have a lot of young players that are vying for positions on the team and with the World Baseball Classic, I know the Cardinals are sending quite a few players to play on some of the other teams. And uh, we're going to get a long look at some of the young players in spring training. And I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, Jordan Walker and uh, the win, the young shortstop and some of our young pitchers. 
and uh, they could be play a big part of the upcoming season. And uh, let's see. Oh, we got a friend that listens to the show every week. He's a good guy. Uh, he he had an accident on the ice. And we have a leg. friend. We have a we have one fan. <laughs> I know of. I know of out there. Uh, uh, Troy Lou, a good friend. He had an accident on the ice and broke his leg. And he went back and listened in the hospital, listened to every one of our episodes. So wow. he, he called me today and he said, hey, I'm going to listen to you guys tonight. And I said, well, it'll be out soon. Just hang on. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Troy, we hope you have a speedy recovery. And uh, hey, we're building the fandom right there. We're building the fandom, Vince. And that's all I have. I remember in the late 80s when uh, this is this is when nutrition was really starting to catch on in Major League Baseball. Whitey Herzog pushed back on that because there were a lot of pulled muscles. There was a lot of people on the disabled list, and he did not agree that you should have a muscle-bound body for baseball. He believed it was it was it was detrimental because you were going to pull your muscles because you had more muscles. And his advice was that these players, instead of going to the gym, should skip the gym every now and then and go have a hot dog and a beer. <laughs> so maybe that's what uh, Mr. O'Neill should do. He's muscle bound. He's a oh, big gosh, he's, guy. He's a freak. He he is, and I, I just think uh, if he could just meet the ball, he'll hit a, a lot of home runs. He doesn't have to kill it, and he's always uh, pulling a hammy or a, a groin injury. No, I'm sorry, I even laughed on that. But uh, running into a wall. I mean, he plays all out, and I just I would like to see what he could do with a healthy year. I'm kind of excited about that. Hopefully so. Well, in Cub news. We, we have been, uh, uh, for the week of Christmas, uh, pretty busy. We signed Tucker Barnhart, two years, $6.5 million for a backup catcher who last year had one home run, a two twenty one batting average, a five fifty four OPS, and a negative 0.2 war. Of all the catchers, I shouldn't say all, of all the viable catchers, uh, that we could have chose from. This is the last guy I wanted. He is not the guy who was catching for the Reds winning gold gloves. He's not near that anymore. He is a complete shell of himself, and we just crapped away $6.5 million. Max, am I wrong? Uh, I don't think you're entirely wrong. Um, I think it's worth noting that of just about every single position player who played for Detroit this year kind of just sucked. Uh, you look at Javi Baez, you look at guys that uh, – uh, who's their third uh, – Heimer Candelario, all those guys. Candelario, yeah. Year. And I don't know if that's just because of the ballpark or or what, but I, I don't know. I think his offensive struggles, uh, that can probably be chalked up a little bit to that. Catching-wise, uh, his framing metrics have gotten a lot better. And uh, he's actually very adept at throwing out base stealers, which is going to be really important this year with the uh, bigger bases. So I, I can't hate the signing. Obviously, you'd prefer like a Sean Murphy or Wilson Contreras, but I'm fine with it. Well, I, I it just bothered me. We got outbid for catchers, um, and, and this is what we have for a backup. And, and I, I, I know – Ross is building the catching position in his image. He defense first, take care of the pitchers. If you get in, if you have any offense from this position, that's a bonus. 
I, 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 okay, I can buy that, but to, to get a guy with a negative war, uh, with a 554 uh, OPS, who's probably going to catch, you know, 60 to 70 games, I, man, that's, that's a real hole in the lineup. So, yeah. Uh, we also signed uh, Drew Smiley, two years, $19 million, and uh, Drew pitched for us last year. He was 7-8. and eight. He had a 3.47 ERA and 22 starts. Um, we had him, I think it was 2018 or 19. I don't remember which when he was recovering from Tommy John surgery. So we were paying his bills while he was rehabbing. And then uh, I don't remember if we traded him to Texas or if we DFA'd him or free agent. I don't remember what happened, but... Anyway, he came back last year and he had a decent year uh, when he was healthy. He pitched really good for us. So uh, that's another piece we can put in our starting rotation. Uh, we have also claimed Anthony K off waivers, who has a career five and a half ERA. He throws really hard, but walks have always been an issue with him. So uh, I, I think the theory is if we can put him in the pitch lab and uh, harness some of that control, he could be a, he could be a piece for us. Um, we still are in need of a third baseman, and um, we are in need of a left-handed power hitter. Um, Michael Conforto was uh, on the market, and now he's gone, and I really don't think there's a whole lot left with third baseman. Um, I don't know if we needed another outfielder with that kind of pedigree. Um, I'm okay with... Uh, Morell spelling the outfield spots and spelling third base. Um, but I really would like to see us uh, do something with third base because it scares me to death to have Patrick Wisdom over there um, the way he played defense last year. I'd rather see him at first base and DH and pinch hit. Uh, but we do need somewhere to find a little more left-handed power. Our left-handed hitters, you know, do have some power. You know, Hap has some power from the left side. He's a switch hitter. Um Bellinger, if he's right, he's going to have a lot of thump. And Mervis is power hitting a left-hander. We have a first. But uh, other than that, we're pretty much uh, thick with right-handers. So uh, we'll see uh, what shakes loose the next few weeks as far as uh, the Cubs go for um, a left-handed bat in the third baseman. I guess in the room is Mr. Tom Cook. Tom is the host of the Worst Fans in Baseball podcast with Ryan and Josh. Uh, Tom's been a friend of mine for a few years. He is a history aficionado. Uh, he is a Cardinal super fan. He is a stand-up comedian, all-around great guy. Tom, how are you doing today? I'm uh, doing exceptional, Vincent. It's so nice to be on here to join <laughs> the One Cardinal, One Cub, One Beer podcast. You have made it now. You've made it now. So we ask this question of every time, every one of our first guests, tell us how you became a Cardinal fan. Um, my favorite player growing up was Gary Gaetti. Um, From Centralia. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, cause my parents, uh, my dad was a huge Cardinals fan and uh, I was like, that Gary Gaetti seems cool. But after <laughs> 1996, he wasn't so cool. My dad really hated Gary Gaetti. And I'm like, do you, does that mean you hate a little bit of me? And he's like, I really just hate Gary Gaetti. And this is where we're at. That's how, uh, I guess, I guess it's my introduction to it. Um, 
they're just the team nearby, so that's why I picked them. And then uh, it's just been a an addiction ever since, I guess. Just watching, watching, watching this team every every year. Mm-mm-mm. How how old were you when you had this infatuation with Gary Gaetti? Um, I don't know, like five six years old. It's just okay. like you kind of pick a guy out, and then you're like, "Yo, that's my guy. That's my favorite player." And then my dad like, "Why? He sucks." I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> he's not that good." I'm like, "I I got I got it the first time." He's like, "He's really terrible. We're gonna trade him to the Cubs." Yeah, I was gonna say what? we we even, oh. we even got a worse version of them. So, <laughs> so who who are Ryan and Josh? I don't know these uh, two co-hosts you have. Well, there's a third. Nick has come back, our beautiful bouncing baby Italian boy. So, uh, the podcast is mainly Nick's idea. He uh, he hit me up with it about last year um when i was going through a breakup and i think he only did it uh to make sure i didn't kill myself and then after you'll have to bleep it it's youtube so you know i had at least get one at least one dump in um but he started it last year and then uh josh joined and then ryan joined um you know who ryan is but we can't disclose his identity because uh if uh, his job found out uh about this podcast they would fire him but Josh, okay. he works for the city of Cape, and so I, I'll happily dox my roommate. Josh is my roommate. Uh, okay, I, I've got Ryan whittled down to about two people. So yeah, you can probably you can probably take a you can probably take a wag at who it is. Um, but um, yeah, um, Josh uh, joined up about 20, 30 episodes in as our third guy, and then um, we added Ryan. When uh, Nick has a Nick has a little uh, little gay synth band, as we call it, he has a neat little uh, 80s uh, synth band that he does. And uh, he went off to go make a couple albums with that. And while he did that, we decided to add Ryan as our fourth. And uh, lo and behold, uh, the worst fans, uh, worst fans was born. Here we are. Well, Tom, uh, Vince sent me your podcast. I listened to it for oh, the no. first time oh. over the weekend. Yeah, and I tell you what, I really enjoyed it, but you guys come fast and furious. Not only is it yep. baseball, it's history. And I was wondering, is this all just free association? Is there some editing uh. involved? Because I'm impressed. I'm a pretty fast talker, and I think I kind of get riled up. But you guys are – I can't keep up with you guys. Um, How would I describe it? For those listening to this uh, to this podcast who like it, uh, what I compare your podcast is is like sitting down with a relative you like and talking baseball. And the way I look at it with ours is sitting down with a relative you hate and talking about anything. <laughs> so um, uh, if you're listening to this and you like uh, – it's we do like an hour, hour and a half long podcast, and ten minutes of it sometimes is baseball. And uh, I want you all to know who listen to this podcast. If you're really going to listen to it, it's incredibly left wing. It is incredibly vulgar, and it's hardly about baseball. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it is. Sometimes we 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 did an episode after the winter meetings called entirely a baseball episode, um, where it's like it's mainly. It's a comedy baseball podcast is mainly what it's situated as, 
there is not a lot of structuring in it. Like we have like a group message um, that hopefully the FBI never gets a hold of. <laughs> but like we, it's just like, hey, what do you guys want to talk about tonight? We'll be like, let's make fun of Carlos Correa. Cause it's never like, we want to talk about this. And like, oh, hey, you know, uh, is this collusion against him? Is he up for a big payday? Why is he, why is now this physical suddenly a concern? It's like, let's make fun of Mets fans because they're pond scum and like, <laughs> They totally jumped at this guy and all of a sudden their doctors are telling them that they like can't they can't sign this dude. It's just it's just backed by some vitriol. There's some good baseball analysis in it, I think. But yeah, I mean it's more free association. It's a lot of wheeling and dealing. That's fine. Well, I love the podcast and it's definitely uh listener discretion advised, I'll put it that way. The way yeah, you weave history, shtick, snark, politics, baseball. And any other topic that hits your mind is so entertaining. Uh, but I do want to stress the baseball that you do talk about, it's not like we're just talking out the sides of our mouths. You are very baseball intelligent. So when you do hit the topics of baseball, you've all done your homework. You 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 look up the stats. You're 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 like uh you're like Maxwell, you're more of a, a stat geek with the uh um saber information saber so metrics that's, really cool. that's, that, that's that new generation stuff yeah you, you youngsters <laughs> you know uh but now what i really want to talk about um i listened this week to the 1982 season which i enjoy your podcast but this really took it up a level and so i do implore people if you want to listen to a podcast that is about baseball for the whole time, that really encapsulates not just what is going on with the Cardinals in the 82 season, but what's going on in the world, the backdrop behind the 82 season, I think it's wonderful. And I, man, I hope you get a million people to listen to this. So <clears throat> tell us about how you came up with this concept to do the 1982 season in a series of podcasts within the worst fans in baseball. Yeah. It started with, we did an episode earlier in the season where Josh says, we got to, we should do something that isn't just us riffing about like what stupid meme we saw on Twitter or like what, you know, or what, what dumb thing our, our girlfriends did or something. Um, I'm like, okay, like, what do you got? And uh, we've always discussed, I think, that our strength with our podcast, and that would we get a lot of feedback on, is that um, it's it's not always about baseball. And so we're like, okay, well, we don't have to make it like we don't have to do like a deep dive into you know who's who's got the highest exit velocity in the national league. I mean, we could probably do something more obscure and Josh proposed. We do one on, we talk about Khalil green and Khalil green uh -huh. is an interesting guy. He's a hermit now. Uh, yes. baseball was a lot for him. Um, he is like what arguably the best collegiate baseball player, especially at his time in terms of like raw power and athleticism. And then while he had like one really promising year with the Padres, he completely went and lived off, the grid after that and like we found like uh, a report by like bob rains who tried to tried his best to track him down and do an interview with him and uh you know we made some jokes about it but like at the heart of it it's like okay here's something that's like 
not us um you know reflecting on like some latest john boy craze or um griping about uh you know robo umps or how nolan arenado is way better than jose ramirez or anything like that and so we kind of thought about it and then um nick set up a youtube page for us to stream on uh we haven't we're not active on it so you know just we have a website you can read our stuff on we have a podcast so check that out the other stuff's kind of a waste at the moment um but i have the idea because my favorite content creators out there that i listen on youtube is a guy named john boys he works for a secret base he has a a series he does with alex rubenstein called dorktown and it's uh basically an overloading of just charts and information but he's utilized in a way that tells a very empathetic story it's a very humane uh treatment of like sports and the people that participate in it like i highly recommend after you guys get done with this like one of the last episodes that they did on dorktown was about steve jeltz of all people our hero of our story and how the philadelphia phillies came back from are the only team to come back from a 10 nothing deficit in the first inning and win like it's stuff like that and i've always kind of had a hankering to want to create something like that and so um we got to talking about it and Josh says, what if we did like a series like on Cardinals teams? And I'm like, sure. What do you got in mind? He's like, Let's do World Series winners. And Ryan said World Series winners is a great place to start. And so um, I had been working on a couple of pieces just, um, you know, one of them is called the the many wins of Adam Wainwright, which I have like a like a. Up to about, I'm up to about 50 wins right now. Just the history of every single one of his wins, uh, and what they've kind of mattered to. And uh, the other one was a Paul Goldschmidt piece that I told my friends about. Um, all that said, uh, I said, all right, well, you know, we can, you know, we have all that down. Uh, why not? Let's pick a year. So we're like, okay, let's go with uh, 1982. Completely random. I wish I could say there was like a method to the madness, but they're like. Let's go with the 80s. Uh, you know, let's go with uh, the 82 se- uh, series winning team. And that's how, how it kind of came born. Um, it took us about three months to write the first episode. And I'm sure it will take us two or three months to finish researching and writing the second episode. If you guys like this um, and folks, if you ever want to do something like this, I want you to know it sucks. You have to read so much. It's like you have to. I uh, bought a book from like Whitey Herzog. It is it is gruesome. Um, I uh, I have like a subscription to newspapers.com so I can look at, you know, thank God the post dispatch is on there for basically every single article they have. But, uh, you know, I comb through hundreds of issues uh, just to get all the information that we had necessary up for like episode one. And right now we're only, I've only made it about, to halfway through June in terms of box scores and storylines right now. There's just a litany of information that comes from it. But that's that's the origins of it. We just picked it. We're like, let's do 82. Whitey Herzog. Cocaine. They did a lot of drugs. The team had a lot of guys doing drugs. It's really cool. So. Well, I before JJ jumps in here, um, being a Cub fan, I did not experience a World Series <laughs> until just oh, yeah. a few years ago. So my first real experience with a World Series winner was the 82 Cardinals because I lived 20 mm-hmm. minutes from the stadium. So um, 
being caught up in all that uh, was something that was neat. I, I, I didn't look at it like, gosh, I hope the Cardinals lose. I looked at it like, wow, this is really cool. I can't wait for the Cubs to do this. Well, I, I had to wait for the Cubs to do it. I had to wait a long time. At they did I it in your lifetime. Uh, <laughs> most people died before they saw him win another World My Series. My grandfather died the year before. Just just uh, terrible. So, uh, JJ, uh, go ahead and jump in here because I know you love the 82 team. Oh, I lo- I'll mention that in a minute, but I appreciate your podcast because as a baseball fan and a Cardinal fan, <clears throat> you can go down a rabbit hole and there's just one thing leads to another and just listen to your podcast, I try to keep up with everything. There's just no way. And there's so many things you went over and touched on that I kind of forgot about. Like Kilia Green, I kind of forgot about him. If somebody mentioned him, I'd remember the name, but I hadn't thought about him in years. Mm-hmm. And the 82 uh, team uh, in my lifetime, that was our first, you know, playoffs or anything. And I was a junior in high school. I, uh, I didn't ask my parents. I only had enough money for two bleacher tickets, and I hitchhiked at Bush Stadium, went up there on a Wednesday, and the tickets didn't go to sell Saturday, and I had $1 to, to eat and drink on, and I drank two sodas from Wednesday to Saturday, but I got front row bleacher seats, and then the Cardinals lose game one 10 to it, nothing to the Brewers. You've, uh, been that, to like, you've been to some games, it sounds like, J.J. Can you confirm this? Because uh, Ryan Ryan's locked in a debate with uh, with a family member over this. Could you uh could you take kegs into Bush Stadium and just drink them in the bleachers? It was be- I- if if so, it was before my time. And I started watching I started going to the games in 76. Yeah. No, so, no, this is around I- the time Ryan's having this debate with uh with this relative over. He told us about it. I'm like, what? He's like, Yeah, he said you could take like uh you could take kegs into the bleachers and drink them. I'm like, I don't know, man. The 80s and 70s were pretty wild. I don't think they were that wild. I mean, like, oh, there'd be somebody throwing them on the field. I think you can take a plastic, unopened soda uh, or water, and that's mm-hmm. it. No aluminum, no metal. I don't think so. Anything like it's, that. Uh, interesting you bring up like all the weird stuff that happens in a season because it's all like a mic. Uh, 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 it's it's all a it's all a, a part, uh, like microorganisms that kind of just create this create this body that becomes like a, you know a story that you'll tell per se. But the one I found so far that was really funny to me is uh is our like basically a uh, third string catcher Glenn Brummer um, in '82 stole home and, on a walk off of nowhere just Glenn Brummer. Right there on my notes, I was going to bring that up to you. Yeah, he played like 60 games. He's like, I'm going for it. I'm in the, I can just imagine the conversation. Like people are like, what is he doing? Is he gonna steal home? Like, what is this guy doing? Like, why didn't he give him a signal? He just did it. Extra inning game. Glenn Brummer's like, I'm we're going sizzler. And he just took home plate on it. He he did tell the third base coach, he's not even looking at me. Mm-hmm. And so he just stole home, which to me, that was the uh the the fulcrum that showed yeah we're gonna go all the way you know it's a it's such a chad move man especially from a catcher a catcher to steal a base like at any point is like uh is 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 like an insult but for a catcher to like snipe home especially a guy like glenn brummer who looks like he should be like uh, at the time like a tv salesman or something like a guy he looks like a pe teacher and for him to like swipe that on you a guy whose helmet doesn't fit him like it's bad. Have you seen pictures of Glenn Brummer wearing a batting helmet? He looks like a guy named Glenn Brummer. 
Yeah, he does. He look. Yeah, he he looks like a fat kid wearing a little kid's hat. That's what he looks like. He's, he's the ultimate guy. All right, him. Yeah, like Tito Landrum, and of course, like Tom Lawless in later years. It's uh, the whole season's wacky. Whitey Herzog in itself, like uh, like you know, we're still like deciding like who's the main characters we're gonna do, and when we're setting this aside, we're like, well, we should do Lonnie Smith because Lonnie Smith is very interesting. Um, you know, he had a um, a pretty bad falling out with Philadelphia, and he was MVP runner up in '82. Um, Willie McGee, obviously, uh, you know, he was picked up uh, in a trade with the Yankees for I think it was Bob Shirley who was uh, traded. Uh, Bob Bob Sykes. Bob Sykes, thank you, Bob Sykes, who was traded too. Um, and then he just comes up after um, after a series of injuries. The whole team was kind of mangled the first like month of the season but he just kind of comes up wins over the starting job and becomes willie mcgee as we know him today um joaquin anduhar because he's good for like quotes he's insane keith hernandez keith hernandez um i know it's a pg podcast but uh keith hernandez is a prickly pair because he has no problem throwing guys under the bus to the media got like players don't talk smack players and managers don't talk smack uh, to the media like they did back in the day. They would just say like, that guy's trash. My favorite was um, in, uh, it was like in 81, I was reading an article. Um, it was about Andy Rincon. It was kind of a touted young arm that the Cardinals had, but he kept getting hurt. And uh, what, Keith Hernandez basically came out and said he was too fat. He's like, he's hurt because he's out of shape and he's too fat. I'm like, what are you doing? You psychopath. Like, why are you telling why are you telling Rick Hummel this? What is wrong with you? You could have been like, Andy, you know, he's got his struggles. You know, that would be the normal thing to say. He's like, nah, he's too fat. Like, what is wrong? What are you doing? Six hundred, he's making like six hundred and fifty thousand a year. He's like, this rookie, he's a jelly belly. He can't take care of himself. This is insane to me. I love it. I love it. It's been it's it's a really fun project right now. It's hilarious. Um, Whitey Herzog's a god. That's all I can say. He's wacky. Amen. He's an absolute wacky guy. Very. Do endearing. you know? Do you know how many episodes this is going to take to complete the season, or are you just going to go till it's done? We can really kind of milk it for as long as we did. Um, the first episode outline I had um, when I started writing the script. It was about like a page and a half, like just like a typical outline and um, just like what I had in mind. And then uh, I had planned when I initially wrote episode one for us to lead into, okay, so now we can go into the season. But um, Whitey Herzog is uh, just took over, man. It's the spirit, like the, it's the Holy Spirit that took over. And he dominated like the seven thousand word script because he's just—it's just so much. Um, we're hoping that episode two kind of sets the rest of the tone for one. It's got to talk about the GM moves that the Cardinals make because um, Herzog takes over uh, from uh, John Claiborne, who was a who they were friends uh, coming as far back as uh, when they worked in the the Mets organization. He takes over for John Claiborne um, following the 79 season. Uh, Whitey begins trading, or sorry, the 80 season, my bad, 1980 season. Whitey begins trading away every single person known to man and building the team that he wants. And then uh, by 
April 82, Whitey uh, relinquishes the uh, uh, the GM reigns. But we have to talk about the, that year and a half, those two winter meetings he went in, uh, you know, shopping around guys, picking, you know, we had Raleigh fingers for a couple of days, but he's like, I'm only keeping Raleigh because I really want Bruce Suter. That's all. I'm only in it for the Suter, baby. You know, he traded away uh, Ted Simmons uh, for like oh, David Green. And then, you know, David Green kind of kind of uh, became a bust. But I mean, thank God Gary Templeton grabbed his junk on ladies night. And then, you know, we finally, you know, he went in and traded and got Ozzy Smith eventually. Why, why do you, why do made trades like a video game is what he did. Like it, it was how someone would run a team on like on PlayStation. He just was completely unhinged with it. It, it, it was awesome. It's awesome. That's all I can tell people. He's exciting wacky, times. wacky guy, wacky guy. <laughs> well, we do need to wrap this up, Tom. Um, I, I want people to know they can find your podcast wherever you listen to your podcast because I found it on a few different platforms. Um, so I, I do implore you check out his podcast, but specifically episode number 99 would be a good place to, uh, if, if you're really into the history of the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, listen to that first episode and you are going to get hooked. So, so JJ, you got anything to add? I see Max Thanks. has muted himself, so he's hey, probably it was sleeping. nice. It was nice meeting you, and uh, man, I stand in awe of your knowledge of the '82 <laughs> season, my man. Oh, thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. This was uh, a lot of fun. So, thank you, Tom. Thanks, Tom. and um, we'll see you around someday. Okay. Hell yeah! Take care, All guys. Right. Love you. Take care. <laughs> so, being this is our year end. Uh, episode what we are going to do is we are going to look at the 2022 season and we're going to start with the off season last year and I'm going to talk about the off season JJ is going to talk about the season and Max is going to finish up with the uh, um, postseason so if you think back to uh, the Atlanta Braves spraying champagne, dancing around the World Series trophy, bringing the championship back to Atlanta for the first time since, was it 95? So it's been a while. Um, great feel-good story. Freddie Freeman, you know, class act. You know, he gets he gets his World Series champion, you know, ship and, and his uh, team he grew up with. So immediately after that, things started happening business-wise. And the biggest problem was that the CBA, the Collective Bargaining Agreement, which is a contract the players have with ownership, and that kind of sets how their business relationship is going to be, you know, uh, pay scale, just about everything you can imagine. And there's a lot of give and take there, okay? The players, they want maybe more money for a minimum salary for rookies. Okay, then the owners say, okay, we'll give you that, but we want such and such, you know, and there's a lot of give and take. Well, they were miles apart, and I know this is only about a foot and a half, but, you know, act like it's, it's you know, this is, this is New York and this is Paris, okay? That's how far apart they were. So um, they had this collective bargaining agreement that needed to be settled. So 
what they did is they could see that they were so far apart, there was going to be a lockout. A lockout is not a strike. A lockout comes from the ownership side where they say, okay, we're going to lock the doors. You can't come into the facilities. You can't use anything that's Major League Baseball. And it, it's, it's a way to force a hand in bargaining. So there was going to be a lockout. So usually in the offseason, uh, big free agent signings and trades, they kind of take a while to kind of get going. So you don't see a whole lot of movement early. Wasn't the case. Uh, because they saw this lockout coming, players and general managers and agents were negotiating at, at an alarming rate. And there was a lot of action that happened in November for, for about a two-week stretch uh, from November until the time of the lockout. Uh, just to give you an example, I just talking about the big money people. November 16th, Noah Syndergaard goes to the Angels one year, $21 million for a pitcher who's been nothing but hurt for the last few years. November 24th, the Cardinals jumped in and they got Stephen Matz. Four years, $44 million. Uh, November 27th, uh, Michael Waka went to the Red Sox, one year, $7 million, and he earned that $7 million this year, had a very good year. November 27th, Starling Marte, Mark Canna, and Eduardo Escobar go to the Mets, and their salaries equal $124 million. So the Mets really started this spending spree uh, that, that you see this year, kind of last year. Uh, November 28th, uh, Avasal Garcia goes to the Mariners, four years, $53 million. November 28th, Kevin Gosman went to the Blue Jays, five years, $110 million. November 28th, Marcus Simeon goes to the Rangers, seven years for $175 million. November 29th, Max Scherzer, who is at the, at the twilight of his career, signed for three years, $130 million. It's over $40 million a year. Max Scherzer is doing pretty good for a St. Louis boy. November 29th, Robbie Ray goes to the Mariners, five years, $115 million. So November 29th, Corey Seager goes to the Rangers, 10, 10 years, $325 million. November 30th, Javi Baez goes to Tigers, the Tigers, and uh, he steals six years for $140 million. Uh, one of the weirdest things, and I thought I'd add it because it is timely, it's in the news today, uh, today. December 1st of last year, the Red Sox traded Hunter Renfro to the Brewers for Jackie Bradley Jr. Hunter Renfro had a really good year for the Red Sox. Jackie Bradley Jr. cannot hit 200 anymore. Still a decent defensive outfielder. Why did the Red Sox trade Hunter Renfro away for Jackie Bradley Jr., who had previously played for the Red Sox? Well, it's come out that nobody likes Hunter Renfro. Nobody, his teammates don't like him. Uh, uh, he's a cancer in the clubhouse and he's got some problems with racism. So, uh, so that, that was interesting. And on December 1st, Marcus Stroman goes to the Cubs three years for $71 million. Then December 2nd, the lockout starts. So we have nothing going on. And we, we were hoping baseball fans were hoping is the closer we get to spring training that will force both sides to the table, and they will come, come up with an agreement, and we'll have spring training in the season. Guess what happened? In February, pitchers and catchers did not report because the lockout was still going on. So March 1st, Major League Baseball, the commissioner, Rob Manfred, announces that the first two series of the season are going to be canceled. So that's, that's about the first week of the season. 
Now that that was serious news. Oh my gosh, you know, yeah. the first two weeks of the season are going to be canceled. Nine days later, on March 10th, the birthday of my mother, by the way, uh, the players and ownership got together and they signed a new CBA for the next five years. So we had a three and a half week spring training. Instead of starting the season the last day of March, we started it Feb, uh, April 2nd or April 7th. So, um, and then Rob Manford came out and said, oh, psych, uh, we're not going to cancel the first two series. We're just going to cram everything together and extend the season a little bit. So we did get the full 162 games in. I was happy. I think all baseball fans were happy. This could have been a disaster if it would have lingered and we would have lost games. Uh, those of us who lived through the 1981 strike and the 1994 strike realized how devastating a lockout or a strike is to baseball. And I, I should say the, uh, the 94 was a lockout and 81 was a strike, if I, if I, my memory serves me right. So after they signed the CBA, the rest of the players who hadn't signed yet started signing. Freddie Freeman goes to the Dodgers, six years, $162 million. Chris Bryant steals money from the Rockies, seven years, $182 million. <laughs> Seiya Suzuki <laughs> comes to the Cubs, five years, $85 million. Yay. Kyle Schwarber goes to the Mets, four years, $80 million. That worked out really good for Mr. Schwarber. Anthony DeRizzo goes to the Yankees, two years, $32 million. People say, well, wait a minute. He only pitched, he only played one year, and then he was a free agent again. Second year is an option for Rizzo, and that's with some of these contracts. Um, the Mariners got uh, Eugenio Suarez, or as I like to say, Eugenio Suarez. Sounds like a like a Don Juan type guy. And uh, Jesse Winker from the Reds uh, helped solidify them into a playoff team. The Braves traded for Matt Olson from the Athletics to take the place of Freddie Freeman. Uh, the Twins traded and got Sonny Gray from the Reds. So there was a lot of not just free agent, there was trades happening at this time. Clayton Kershaw resigned with the Dodgers one year, $17 million. Carlos Rodon went to the Giants two years, $44 million. Second year was an option. That's why he's a free agent again. And Carlos Correa, who said, dadgummit, my leg is fine. Give me three years, $105 million with an opt-out after the first year. The Twins said, yes, we will do that. So the Twins gave him that. So that was the offseason, a lot of excitement, kind of a different offseason. And I like this offseason. I wish they would impose, okay, by December 1st, you have you you have your free agent signed. And then we're going to freeze signings from, from December 1st until spring training starts. I like that because it creates a lot of buzz right after the World Series. And these players have to get signed, kind of how the NBA does it. And then if they don't get signed by that date, Wait till spring training. I wish baseball would adopt that, but um, I'm probably not going to be the next commissioner. So, JJ, what happened during this wonderful season? Well, like you said, it was so important to get the whole season in because if we didn't get 162 games in, Aaron Judge wouldn't have hit 62. He wouldn't have get, even had a shot at it. Albert wouldn't have got 700 home runs. I mean, every the season, it had to – it fit in there. If they had two weeks off the season, I don't think Albert would have got 700, and I don't think Judge would have hit 62. So it's very important that you play those 162 games, the continuity of each season that goes by. I know Max is going to do the the uh, the postseason, and I oh, there's a couple things I want to touch on so bad, but what I'm going to do is just hit the highlights, hit the headlines, and you guys can jump in. I'll ask you some questions, but this is going to be kind of fun. Now, 
the Astros are a story in themselves. But I'm going to tell you something. There was something that never happened in baseball this year, and it has to do with the World Series game. I know we had a no-hitter in the World Series, but the game before, there was an umpire, and his name was, I've got it written down here. It is, is it Pat Hoberg? Yes. I'll let you cover that then. Uh, well, since well, I, got I, it, I don't know too much about it, it was either a perfect game or very close to it. I do remember that. A perfect game for seven years now. They've had that box and each umpire gets graded by the percentage of correct balls and strikes. And I mean, you did the, did the batter go all the way around? Was it a check swing? Was it a strike? A lot of borderline pitches. And he he called a perfect game over 100 pitches or over 200 pitches total and he's the only umpire that was 100 percent accurate over the last seven years in a game that's pretty amazing you know if you miss Great one you're step out up and do that yeah. yeah yeah so uh i know they're grading the umpires they're trying to do a better job with the umpiring and uh i think that's great and with these automatic strike zones coming it looks like uh you know just just to get it right. That's the main thing. Well, I'm going to do some of the headlines now. And um, I'm going to go uh, the Phillies. The Philadelphia Phillies, uh, a star-studded team. They had Joe Girardi, who we both love. He was a, a great Cub. He was a, uh, played on the Cardinals for a season. Uh, he great was a broadcaster. Man. Yeah. <laughs> he he went the, – the, the Phillies went 21 and 29 through the first 50 games, and Joe Girardi ends up getting fired. And uh, they bring in Rob Thompson, and for the rest of the season they go sixty-five and forty-six, and make the play and get in the playoffs. Probably the year before they wouldn't have made the playoffs. They were the they were like the last team yeah. to get in. So that what a story that was. Um, did you guys like the new uh, playoff format where they got more teams and more rounds, and instead of a one-game playoff, you got a three-game series? Did you guys? Did you like that, or I'm I kind of like I enjoyed that. I, I, uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, while doing research for my little segment, I was looking at all the wild card series. Uh, there were some classics there. I'll touch on those later, but there were some really good games. Very good series. Yes. Um, just the nature of baseball. Oh, one and done. Yeah, you know that that that's football. Baseball is, you know, that, that's why it's a longer season. That's why you have series instead of singular games. So even though a three-game series is not a good indication of, you know, which team is better, it's a lot better than a one-and-done because, I agree. let's face it, even a team that loses 103 games in a year, they're going to knock off the Yankees a couple times a year. You know, it's that's just right. happens. A lot of new rules, too. We have that extra inning, regular season man on second. And uh, mixed reviews, me personally, I'd rather see it one on the field. I mean, uh, instead of a, you might as well just have a home run derby or play uh, play uh, rock, paper, scissors or something. Let's play it out. I'm more, I, I know they want the game to be faster, but it seems like they're catering to the novice baseball fan because I like the game just the way it is. I mean, they're tweaking it here and there. The DH to the National League, I think, went over really well. Uh, a lot of people say they don't want to see a pitcher up there struggling to hit, but I know it was a big advantage for people like Bob Gibson and Mad uh, Mad Baumgar uh, Bumgardner who could actually hit. But hitting pitchers were few and far between, and I do like the DH. 
a lot of uh, variations in your roster. We can give guys uh, sort of a day off where they all they have to do is hit. They don't have to play the field. Um, I kind of like that. Uh, did you guys you like the National League DH? I did. Um, I was against it for many, many years. Me too. I used to like the small ball. Um, and I still do when it's appropriate, but pitchers couldn't bunt anymore. So, you know, I, I, and pitchers were such bad hitters with two strikes, you know, a manager would just keep a bunt on because it'd rather have him foul it off or bunt through the ball than to, you know, dribble into a double play or something. So uh, I kind of like the designated hitter. Um, uh, Shohei Otani, this is just a special player. We've never seen anything like this. They're always comparing him to Babe Ruth. And Babe was a better pitcher, and Babe was a better hitter. But Babe didn't do both at the same time like this. He's the only player under the current rules that uh, qualifies for both a hitter and a pitcher, and he had an incredible year last year. You could uh, argue that he should have been the MVP of the American League. Uh, if Judge had if Judge had sixty home runs, Otani would have been the uh, the MVP. I believe I believe anyway. His statistics are just uh, phenomenal. Last year he had six hundred sixty six at bats and um, he started twenty eight games. I got some stats here. Over I could go on and on about Otani versus Ruth. And if you compare both of them, Ruth of course have played a lot longer. But it's going to take a lot for even Otani to catch him in the pitching categories. But doing it both at the same time, I tell you what, if he comes to your city, make it a must to go see this guy because we may never see the likes of this again. That's just a special player, I believe. Um, the Baltimore Orioles, what a comeback. They are only the third team in Major League history to lose 110 games <laughs> one year and come back and win, have a winning record the next year. That it's the third best record by a team that lost 110 games. I don't know how many teams fall under them statistics, but uh, that's pretty impressive. Baltimore, of course, being bad for so long, they got a lot of good young draft choices. They traded away a lot of the older players, and you know, and and got some young talent. And uh, they're going to be exciting. I think they're going to give. Uh, I'd love to see them give uh, the Yankees and Toronto a run for their money this year. That'd be fun. You know, that's going to be fun. I'm glad baseball's back in Baltimore. Of course, the old St. Louis Browns, too. That's good to see. Here's an interesting stat for you. I don't know if you know this, but Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander won the Cy Young in the uh, American League, but he's the first player ever to do it after not pitching a single uh, inning the year before. That's kind of interesting right there. And uh, so uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be giving Justin some trouble this year on a new team he's <laughs> on um here's a statistic for you i'm mainly going over just incredible stats because 2022 we're gonna look back on this year and remember a lot of great things but uh the top two guys that had the most hits in the league came from the same team and it was freddie freeman and trey turner and that is only the fourth time in baseball history that teammates uh were the top two guys that got hits in the league uh, the last time it happened was a 1982 Milwaukee Brewers, and we were just talking. We're, we're going to talk about the '82 team and uh, and the Cardinal World Series, but uh, it was Yout and uh, Cecil Cooper were the one-two combination in 1982. Uh, I love that Brewer team. That was a fun team back then. Uh, but uh, yeah, Freddie Freeman, Cecil Cooper is so underrated. I agree. He was so good. 
and you never hear him brought up as one of the great players of, of his era. And he, he certainly was. Contact hitter who could hit the ball a mile, um, but he was a line drive hitter. Um, always had a high batting average, high on base percentage. Just loved the guy. That was a talented team. That 82 team uh, was stacked. I think if they had a little more pitching and if Raleigh Fingers hadn't got hurt at the end of the year, things might have ended up different right there. Uh, Seattle, baseball's alive and well in Seattle. It's good to see them back on the map. They packed that place. That place was alive. Uh, they made the playoffs. And again, uh, they wouldn't have made the playoffs without this new playoff format. And it was just fun seeing Seattle uh, in a prominent position again. And they've got a kid up there, uh, Julio Rodriguez. 21 years old, and he had 25 home runs and 25 stolen bases. Uh, what a story. This kid can play, and they locked him up for a lot of years. So that's good. A lot of people are comparing him to maybe Ken Griffey Jr. That's not fair to him. But, uh, man, he will be he should be the captain of that team coming up in a few years. 21 years old. My God. Well, Vince, what were you doing at 21 years old? <laughs> um, I was in college still. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, I was no wait a minute wait a minute um I was playing center field for the Chicago Cubs I had oh, 25 really. home runs and stole 28 bases <laughs> hey that's absolutely crazy that's like me right now doing that amazing <laughs> amazing and Seattle made it well we won't get into the playoff run but they I was so happy to just see Seattle I was up there in the Navy and that's a good city and you know it's more of a football city but and they came alive for baseball this year. Uh, the the Cleveland Guardians, uh, they're the youngest team in the major leagues. I did not know that. I mean, I was reading tons of statistics, but they are um, they are the eighth team in major league history to be the youngest team and make the playoffs. Uh, the last team that was the youngest team and made the playoffs was the 1986 New York Mets. A cap and uh, the with Gooden and Strawberry and Darling and all those guys on the team, so that's pretty cool. That's good to see Cleveland uh psyched up about baseball. Now, here's something for you, Cub fans Kyle Schwarber. He, I always thought he's a good hitter, uh, I didn't think he was a good fielder. And he goes to Philadelphia and he becomes an incredible leadoff hitter, but he's not a typical leadoff hitter, he's not that fast. Um, his batting average was like 216 last year, but he, he led the league at home runs and I believe he had 46 home runs and 38 was from the leadoff spot. That's amazing. Uh, I don't, is that, that is an unlikely strategy, uh, that one of your, that a guy would normally who would hit number four for you would be your leadoff guy. Uh, what do you think about that? The Cubs had him hit leadoff quite a bit. Um, because he takes a lot of pitches and he can get his walks. Um, so batting leadoff wasn't new to him. I mean, he never had the monster year that he had last year with the Cubs, but he had great seasons with the Cubs. I uh, Oh, yeah. I always thought he was a very good player. I just see, didn't see him as a leadoff hitter. But he stole 10 bases last year, too, and got caught once. That's a Yeah, he's an person. athlete. He he's sure a big is. guy, but he's an athlete. Yeah, I always he's got a gun the... for an arm too. I mean, he's he's not a great fielder, but you don't try to take an extra base on Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, I, 
how's that feel watching one of your favorite? I mean, one, I mean, he was on your World Series team, and then there he is with the Phillies winning it again. I, to me, when the Cardinal player has success, an ex-Cardinal, I kind of feel good about it, unless they leave it under bad circumstances. How did you feel when Keith Hernandez won the World Series with the Mets? <laughs> I felt horrible. All right, you got me on that one. You got me. I felt terrible. <laughs> um, Mike Trout, you know, we're going to look back on this guy, and he's probably been the best player in baseball, in my estimation, in probably the last six, seven years. Last year he was hurt, and he only played 119 games, but he he made him count. He hit 40 home runs in 119 games. He's starting to have a few injuries. He's getting into his early 30s now, but he's only the fourth player uh, in, in 120 games or less to hit 40 home runs. Uh, so that's pretty impressive right there. Mike Trout, again, time goes by so quick, and these guys, you, you think they're going to be around forever, and then their careers are over. But Mike Trout, another great story, and I'd love to see the Angels at least make the playoffs. It's sad that he doesn't even sniff the playoffs, you know. With him and Otani yeah. on the same team, um, let's see. The Braves look—they've done it a different way than anyone else. Everyone else is augmenting their team with these high-priced free agents. The Braves have either made trades or brought up guys from their minor leagues, and then kind of give them a long-term contracts. And I tell you what, they their farm system is coming through. They had the top two guys for the rookie of the year last year, Strider, the pitcher, and Harris, the center fielder. And uh, then uh, they let somebody like Swanson go, the shortstop, who I thought, well, why? you know, he's from that area. But they've got a kid down there. Uh, his name is uh, Vaughn Grissom, and he looks like he could be something special. So we'll we'll have to see, you know. Because Darby Swanson was a very good shortstop. I'm glad he's on the Cubs now, but uh, we'll have to see about that. And I could go on and on, but I wanted to touch on Sandy Alcantara's season with the Marlins. You know, the Marlins don't get a lot of love, but Sandy Alcantara had an incredible year last year. He had six shutout, which you don't see, complete games, which you don't see anymore. You don't see complete games. Uh, he threw 229 and two-thirds innings, and that is 23 and two-thirds innings more than any other pitcher in baseball. And that's uh, just a standard that nobody else can hold up to. I hope he can keep it up. Uh, the last guy who had that big a lead over total innings over anyone else was 1979. Phil Necro threw 49 and two-thirds innings more than the second-place guys, which was J.R. Richard and El Presidente Dennis Martinez. And, of course, I'm a Cardinal fan, and I'm not going to take all day on all these statistics. I just wanted these odd stats to come up. But there was, like, three events that kind of, as a Cardinal fan, you just couldn't forget. And it was Albert coming back home and hitting 700. We said goodbye to Yadier Molina. And then both Wainwright and Yadi breaking that battery record. And I think they're 328 is the record right now. And I don't see that – Records are made to be broken, but that's going to be a hard one to break. You're going to have to have two young players stay together for a long time and be very successful to even come close to that. Yeah. So, uh, I hope I didn't bore you too much. I could go on and on with all these statistic things, which I absolutely love. And I have like three pages and I probably read a page and a half of them. But that was some of the big stories that really made note for me this year that I'll never forget this season for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Overall, what were your guys' uh, favorite moments from this season? 
Hmm. That's a good for me. Um, it's got to be Judge hitting sixty two, because for me, a guy who's older, who uh, s- certain records were were really idolized when I was a kid. And uh, uh, 61 home runs was one of them. And when it was shattered by McGuire, Sosa, and a few other people who hit that many home runs, I, you know, Sosa like 60, like four or five times. And then you found out that they did this uh, cheating. Judge, his body isn't changing. He's a big dude, you know, but that that to me seems so legit that I was kind of like, wow, that's that's incredible. Uh, Albert hitting 700, which I really didn't think going into the season is going to end up with was was really cool, too. I, I like the yeah. Yachty Wayno uh, record. It was fun. Yachty was hurt there for a while and he was back in Dominican and. I thought, oh, come on, Yachty, we're running out of time. You got to get back in up here. We need you. And uh, and when they broke it, that was just a special moment. It's teammates and friendship. And I mean, they're going to be linked together for the rest of the time. And I, I hope to see both of them on that left field wall in St. Louis with Albert. That'll be kind of, that'll be, uh, uh, I don't know. I just, it's going to be fun the next few years when they retire some numbers and put them on the wall. And <clears throat> I don't, I, I love Wayno, but he'll wear the red jacket in St. Louis, but I don't see him in the in the Hall of Fame unless he goes nuts this year and wins, throws a perfect game or two or something like that or has a big moment in the World Series. or But Yachty and uh, Pujols for sure, and uh, it's going to be kind of a fun time. I, it was kind of ha- happy and sad at the same time, but those that's the, probably the biggest moment for me over the year. Yeah, I mean, those are both – Great. Um, I guess I'll just kind of start my thing on the uh, on the postseason. Um, yeah, with the new format, the wild card series were just really good overall. Um, for like the Guardians race series, uh, it was just kind of a pitching, you know, duel for both games. With uh, the only runs in game one being scored via the home run, and then same thing for game two, which. For game two, I remember I that was the 15-inning one where it was tied 0-0, and then uh, the SpongeBob guy, Oscar Gonzalez, had a walk-off home run. I watched that entire game in my living room, and, oh, wow. Uh, it makes you think about you know, maybe the uh, the Manfred runner or whatever. Maybe it's not that bad because that game was, oh, it was brutal to watch. Um, <laughs> but that series is really entertaining. Um, obviously, uh you know, Cardinals Phillies. It that was also pretty crazy with the the ninth inning comeback, and then the Bryce Harper home run in Game Two was just absolutely just you know solar crushing. Uh, not gonna say I wasn't I wasn't happy that the Cardinals lost, but I I don't know. I understand. I was different, I guess. Yeah, I understand. Uh huh. Maybe next year. Uh, <laughs> then there was the. Uh, the Blue Jays Mariners series was pretty crazy too. I didn't actually end up watching one of the games, but uh, they came back from that seven run deficit. They're down eight to one in like the third inning, 
Then they came back and won 10 to 9 in extras. Crazy game. Like every single wild card series had a game like this where it was just back and forth or just like something absolutely bananas happened. Uh, then the for Padres Mets, the Padres went and they just, for Scherzer and for DeGrom, they just teed off of them. I think Scherzer gave up like five home runs in his start and was pulled with a like a seven to one like deficit. It's very strange. It was a strange series. And honest to God, I'm kind of hoping it happens again this year with the Mets. Me too. It's good for teams to spend money, but when they sign all the free agents, I like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then for the ALDS, uh, the Mariners, their story kind of ended here. So it was, it was a very close sweep. Every single game, they had the lead in at some point. Uh, in game one, there was the infamous Robbie Ray, you know, giving up the walk-off home run, which was very predictable uh, in retrospect. Then he hits another home run in game two. Um, and then there was another, you know, crazy extra innings game. They basically played four games. It was an 18-inning game where they were tied, I think, like one-to-one or something like that. Then, you know, Jeremy Pena, who goes on to win World Series MVP, hits the go-ahead home run in the 18th. Uh, I think off of another starting pitcher. Um, you guys have any opinions on that, using your starting pitchers as closers in games like that? It works sometimes, and I think I think it just depends on the makeup of the pitcher. Um, Randy Johnson, no problem. I, yeah, I started the day before. Yeah, I'll go out and close this game. Then there are others that just do not want out of that routine and uh, they can't handle it. But uh, yeah, it, it goes back to the, uh, the runner on second row. I'm, I'm with you, Max. I, I like it. Um, I don't see the benefit at, at, after nine innings, I enjoy an extra inning game, but after about the 11th inning, I'm man, I've already spent four hours watching this game. <laughs> Somebody do something, you know, so I like to run around second and just add strategy right from the get go. Mm -hmm. so. I think it gives the home team a big advantage, especially when it's a playoff game. If the team in front of you doesn't, if you sacrifice them over, all you need is a sack fly. I understand, but I enjoy a good two to one game or one nothing game more than I do a 10 nine game. Like after you've seen like six, seven home runs, you're like, all right, it ain't so special. But those one nothing games where the game can hinge on an error or somebody's trying too hard to make a big play instead of just holding the ball and get them the next time. Uh, as far as the pitchers pitching out of the bullpen, I almost think it's a desperate act. You've kind of given up on the guys you have in your bullpen and you, you're going to go with your big guy. Of course, he may not be able to come back and pitch, but it's you got to go. It's all or nothing now. And if it comes through, the pitcher's a legend. I know CC Sabathia did that with the Brewers. And uh, like you said, Randy Johnson, uh, Bob Gibson did that in 64. But if it backfires, all the heat's on the manager now. So it's a gutsy move. Mm -hmm. But uh, I almost think it's an act of desperation that you, 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 you have more faith in that starter than you do the other guys in the bullpen. And in those long games, it's almost a, a, a who's got the better 
24 players because you're starting to wear them down. Did you go too heavy with your backups early in the game? You know, so anyway, that's my thoughts on it. I, I it, it's a, it's a, it's a calculated risk anyway, right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it either goes one way or the other. You you can have legendary games like um, Madison Bumgarner coming into close after pitching, like just absolutely insane um, throughout the entirety of the world series. You have moments like that. And you can have the opposite where you're giving up, you know, a walk-off home run. Uh, it's also worth noting that in the, the Guardians 15-inning game, uh, the Rays pitcher was Corey Kluber. So that's another starting pitcher who's thrown in in a situation he's not familiar with and then just immediately loses the game. That was kind of a theme. I, I, I saw a lot of discourse on that. Um, but overall, I think a lot of pitchers, especially the Philly starters, they actually ended up kind of going the distance. There were a lot of six-inning, seven-inning starts. Uh, Joe Musgrove had that, that start against the Mets where they checked his ears which was oh, yeah uh, <laughs> I remember very that one. yes but yeah that was seven innings of one hit ball uh Luis Castillo had seven shutout innings uh, the pitching was really good especially in for for the Phillies Cardinals series both the Phillies and Cardinals starters they really hung in there um was it Quintana game one or was he game two I think game two but he he had yeah, a great start he Is still it? had a great start though in fact yeah. in my opinion they probably pulled him almost too early yeah i think uh, better to be safe than sorry but maybe it was the right i don't know they i put it in their hands they know more than i do but yeah i'm with you oh, maybe yeah. he may, i think he had another inning in him mm-hmm. uh, moving on to the divisional series for i guess the I, I skipped the yankees guardians the yankees they were down i think two to one they came back and won their series against the guardians which i, I feel like most people would expect that i mean when you're a team that young, you don't have the experience necessarily in games like that. I don't know if anyone from their 2016 or 2017 teams is still like uh, producing for them. That's just, I'm not very familiar with that roster, but they do have a lot of young players. So I think going forward, um, they'll definitely be back, whether it's in, you know, the DS or CS or even the World Series. They have the pitching and the, uh, the young talent for it. Uh, I like Jose. I like was... Jose Ramirez. I like that kid. Man, he got his. Yeah, they locked him up too. Oh yeah, yeah, he's got, and and that's good to see because you want a face of your team, and that guy got a, his thousandth hit this year. He's been around a little bit now, and um, usually the Yankees always have the Indians' number. It always seems like they bounce them anytime they're in the playoffs. They bounce them, but uh, this year looked a little different. It looked like they really gave them a run for their money and. The future could be changing here real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. For the NLDS, it was – I would – definitely a couple of upsets uh, with the Padres knocking out the Dodgers who, you know, 108 or whatever, however many games they win. It's always a lot. Uh, they got knocked out, and then the Phillies with their wonderful underdog story, which <laughs> – they won 87 games. You know, that's all you need at this point. And I, I hope it signals to, to tanking teams or teams like the Cubs. You know, if you're on that threshold, if you can even push yourself into that 85 to 87 win conversation with, you know, some good luck baked in, you can have yourself a playoff run. You don't need to, to build a powerhouse team, you know, like the Dodgers where you're constructed to win 
you know, 110 games. Uh, so I, I did like that. Uh, that was one of my favorite storylines, I think, from this postseason was uh, the underdog stories of, of – well, I mean, there's two sides to it because you have the Phillies who are that story. Then you have the Astros who are that powerhouse team with the pitching and the hitting and just everything about them is just amazing stellar defense. Two teams constructed very, very differently, which was uh, fascinating to see in the World Series. I agree. Uh, moving on to the ALCS, uh, not much to say here. The Astros absolutely obliterated the Yankees 4-0. Uh, they were my pick to win it from before the postseason. I, I don't know how I, who I picked from the National League to make the World Series, but it wasn't the Phillies. But the way that that Astros team is constructed is just – they're just a well-oiled machine. I mean, two of their guys, I think Christian Valdez – or no, Framber Valdez and – uh, Christian Javier, they signed them for $10,000 out of, you know, the Dominican. That's absolutely crazy. You know, they weren't these overslot, you know, $1 million draft picks. These are guys, you know, for cheap. Uh, NLCS Padres versus Phillies. It was entertaining, I guess. Uh, had to see Juan Soto's defense, which was a gold glove nominee, Juan Soto, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was fun. There was the uh, the Aaron Nola versus his brother. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, what's his I name? Yeah. He's the catcher. Mm-hmm. Either way, it was entertaining. I mean, I had the Padres pick to win, but once again, the Phillies, they just had the momentum, the heat. Uh. The World Series was pretty – it started off very even, but, you know, after the no-hitter in, in game four, it was just kind of – you could tell that that just killed any momentum the Phillies had. And that really just kind of – it's the pinnacle of what the Astros did this postseason where they just pitched exceptionally well. Uh, the only person, funny enough, who had any blow-up starts was Justin Verlander. Uh, yeah. He got shelled, I think, in a start against the Mariners. But otherwise, all of their guys just, just absolutely just shoved, basically, for lack of a better term. Yeah, I, I mentioned this on an earlier podcast. I really wish I would have paid more attention to the Astros um, because of the cheating scandal of a few years ago. I'm just mad at them, I guess you could say. But when I watched them in the playoffs, I realized this may be one of the best teams I've ever seen. It may be the best team I've seen. I've seen. There's just no weakness, and they do it right in that, okay, we, we need to trim some payroll. Um, that's okay. We can let Carlos Correa walk because – We've got a Jeremy Pena coming up. We got a lot of confidence in him. And that's one thing that I like about the Astros. You know, you're talking about the two pitchers that they signed for 10,000, which is pennies. Yeah. They understand how to build a team. And then you augment that with free agent parts if you need to. But you mm-hmm. build from within and it's not where you're slotted to draft. It's how good you find 
talent. And the the 10 years ago, the uh, Cubs and the Astros were on the same tra tra trajectory. They both peaked, and the Cubs won that first World Series. But the Astros, what they have done is they have done a better job with their scouting department and their pitch lab to sustain it, whereas the Cubs didn't really have much of a plan for pitching. And their scouting, it's not been that good uh, over the past uh, few years. Now, now it's starting to rebound. Mm -hmm. So I, I just wish I would have paid more attention to this Astros team yeah. because they, they are without a weakness. I think well, it all start, starts for, with Dusty. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to mention that they did fire their GM after building such a well-oiled machine, which is a little strange. But uh, otherwise, yeah, no weaknesses. I I think it all started with Dusty Baker when all that fell apart for them with the we you know with the scandal. They brought in Dusty Baker, and he's beloved. He's a beloved baseball long long timer. He came in and kind of righted the ship. He's been there. He's been around the game forever. Played for a lot of teams, had a lot of success. I mean, if you look when he started to now, he's been in the game forever. And, and people were kind of pulling for him. You know, I know I'm a Cardinal fan, you're a Cub fan, but if we're out of it, I would it be nice to see Dusty win one. And then they, like you said, they made good decisions. Korea, any team would love to have a Korea as long as he's healthy and capacity physical. Uh, Springer in center field, that guy's a great player, but they decided move those guys and keep Altuve and Burke and uh, Bergman at third, and who would have known they have uh, Kyle Tucker. I think that guy's a superstar in the making. McCormick comes in, and I think he made the defensive player of the playoffs or World Series, in my mind, when he caught that JT Rilamuto shot off the wall. He jumped yeah. in there. I, I don't think he could go any higher. What a year. And like you said, they, they I, like you said, I, I think the Phillies would have had to play perfection to beat the Astros, and the Astros just had to stay consistent. They didn't sweat it when they got behind. That's a that's a pro team. And you had a nice mixture of veterans, young guys, uh, guys having big years. Uh, they look like they're in a good spot for years to come. I really enjoyed the World Series. This was one of my favorite World Series this year, by the way. It was certainly up there. I liked it more than last year's. Yeah, oh, yeah. Max, let me ask you this. You asked us what our uh, – favorite memory of the season was what was your favorite memory of the season i have a couple uh, they're they're all cubs ones uh although i, I think my overall be. yeah <laughs> my overall favorite part of the season was was probably cool sitting 700 that was just such a cool thing to to you know be able to witness just someone who you know almost every single person including me had just kind of ridden off as you know this guy's past his prime he's He's going to fall short. He had an awesome career, but he absolutely balled out. I mean, that's just, it's kind of inspiring. I mean, uh, that was my favorite overall thing. Uh, I have a couple of Cubs ones. Uh, the Nico Horner opening day home run was so awesome for me. I He's my favorite player and just, you know, with the lockout and finally just having baseball again for that to happen off of, oh, it was, was it Corbin Burns? Yeah, yeah. It was just awesome. It was awesome. That was a great start to the season. Uh, the Christopher Morell home run in his first at bat was just also amazing. Uh, the Seiya Suzuki inside the park home run against Josh Hader. This is right as kind of he fell apart, but he uh, 
Oh, man. It just it was a fun season. Obviously, the Cubs didn't win very many games, but, you know, the games they did win, which I think that actually ended up losing the Seiya Suzuki game. But um, it was a fun season overall. Yeah. Well, we are going to open up baseball cards, and being Max is not opening up cards. Max, I've got Dondras from the early 90s. What do you got, uh, JJ? Well, this is the first time ever. Uh, I'm Donruss, 1990. Okay. Right Why don't we do this? Max, when we when we uh, do a card, let us know if you have seen this player play. See if we open up anybody that you actually have seen play, okay? Like in a live game or in a video? <laughs> in a live game, if during your lifetime, you know, so. All right. Okay. JJ, you want to go first? Why, sure. <clears throat> Should I tell him the team name and everything? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, this is a Met Bobohita. No, I have no idea who that is. Yeah. You he, remember Bobohita? for the Red Sox, too. Yes, yes. In a lot of World Series. He's been in some World Series games. All right. We've mentioned this guy, a Cardinal. I don't know if he was a cover or not, but Jose De Leon. Jose De I have. Yeah, oh, I believe okay. so. Not in yeah. like a live game, but I've I've heard of him, definitely. Uh here's a name. I I'm betting you know this guy. Uh pitcher, Toronto Blue Jays at the time, Al Leiter. Oh yeah. Yes. Uh, uh he's the, the father of the uh there's a Rangers prospect. Yes, one uh, of the top yeah. uh prospects in all of baseball. Mm-hmm. All right, Philadelphia Phillies catcher Steve Lake, former Cub. Oh, I have heard of him. All right, I'm I'm impressed. I'll be honest with you. I know very little. I'm an old man, and I remember him. All right. Uh, uh, this is the Cleveland Indians at the time. Uh, pitcher Steve Olin. No, doesn't ring a bell. Now, was he one of the ones that was killed in that boating accident in the early 90s? Vince Roger strange... McDowell? You may be, uh, you may yeah, be right I because I right. remember that I the name, I knew the name for some reason, but I believe you might be right on that one. Yeah, My gosh. He died wait. when he was 27. So, yes, yeah. I believe so. I'll be darned. All right. Shortstop, Detroit Tigers, Alan Trammell. Very good player. Very good player. You think we're going to see Whitaker in the Hall of Fame? I hope. I hope so, too. He should be. I think so, too. Uh, let's see here. Oh, we all almost every week we run across this guy. Uh, San Francisco Giant, Kevin Mitchell. <laughs> popping up. <laughs> That's funny. Because what, what if you guys pulled him? And I actually – I did look up his baseball reference page. He had actually – he had a decent career. Oh, yeah. 34 home runs. I'm telling you, the Giants used to be bad to the bone. You had to get to Matt Williams, Will Clark, and Kevin Mitchell. And my one of my greatest memories was there's a foul ball. Mitchell's in left field, run, and he ran it. He overran it, and he reached up with his bare hand and caught the foul ball barehanded. Uh, he won it. an MVP. He did. Yeah. I don't, that's, see that's it now. Pretty you know more about him than I do. I'm just I'm looking at his baseball reference page. That's, that's how oh, I know okay. that. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, speak of the devil. 
Gary Gaetti from the Twins. He, I, <laughs> I actually did look up his page when we were talking about him earlier. Um, he actually he was a below average hitter, but he actually did have a couple of good seasons, and he had like forty WAR, which is that's a that's a good career. His best years were with the Twins. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And then he went to, to the Angels and the Royals, and and was kind of falling apart. Then the Cardinals and Cubs, and but when he was with the Twins, he was he was he was an All Star. He was a big part of that. There's from Centralia, that. Illinois. Look at that. Home of the you, Orphans. You learned <laughs> the Orphans. <laughs> that's their high school mascot, the Orphans. I mean, that's kind of a sad orphan to be honest. I'm not intimidated by the Orphans. All right. Uh, third baseman, Oakland A's, Carney Lansford. And we had him last week. We had him last week. That's right. That's what right. a batting title. And finally, Detroit Tiger, first baseman, Dave Bergman. Yes. I remember nice, Dave. Nice career. Uh, I think he had some big years with some su successful teams. He was a big part of like uh, the top guy off the bench, a, a lot of successful teams. All right. Well, that's my pack right there. Okay. I am opening up. This is earlier, and I thought it's an 88 Dondros. Ooh. And uh, Dondros had the puzzles going at that time, and their puzzle for this year was Stan the Man. So, there's Stan the Man's waistline. Okay. All right. Those of you who are interested. Max, I know you've heard of this guy, the lead singer of the doors, Jim Morrison. <laughs> Very funny. Uh one of my one of my favorite pitchers because he looks so unathletic. Kent Tacolvi. Kent Tacolvi. Submarine pitcher. Yeah, when he retired, he's he's about six four and about one hundred forty pounds. When he retired, he had appeared in more games than I think any other pitcher in baseball. Um, I think that's been broke since. Oh my gosh, we have another Steve Lake, and this is when he was with the Cardinals. Steve Lake, he's all over the place. So Max, I know you've heard of him because you just heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mickey Brantley. Don't know who he is. Oh, JJ. has got to bring back a lot of memories. All right. The man passed away too soon. Bob Forsh. Oh, Bob Forsh. He threw out a first pitch in the 2011 World Series, and he died like was a week later. Two no-hitters. Yeah. Two no-hitters. And actually was a very good hitter, too. Yeah, he, I think he started in the minors as a third baseman, something like that. Oh, uh, the second greatest Royal, Frank White. Oh, uh, Frank White. They got his number retired out there. And here's a gentleman who, uh, for a few years, was like MVP uh, material, and then he just fell off the face of the earth, Mike Greenwell. Oh, yeah. With the Red Sox. The Red Sox come up with hitters. Man, they come up with some of the best hitters. Here's a guy, Hoffman, Guy Hoffman. See what I did there? <laughs> oh, and this guy, I'm sure, is still playing at the age of 93, Julio Franco. He looked good for a 53-year-old man. He was fit. <laughs> oh, 
former catcher for the Phillies and uh, Guardians, and at this time with the Reds, Reds uh, Bo Diaz, who had the nickname Cannon because of his arm. I remember Bo. A good left-handed pitcher who became a really good manager, Bud Black. Oh, yeah. Hall of Famer, Lee Arthur Smith. Cub and a Cardinal. Oh, and here's the ageless one, Don Sutton, who got into the Hall of Fame. Great player. Jeff Ballard. I honestly don't remember Jeff Ballard. Don't either. Oh, and here's the pride of uh, Arkansas. What part of Arkansas is he from? Little Rock. Uh, Kevin McReynolds. Played yes. For the Nets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A duck hunter. He's a big duck he, hunter. Uh, he, uh, in the 84 World Series, he, the only game that the Padres won against the Tigers, McReynolds hit a home run in that game. Yeah. So. Nice career. Had a nice career. Yeah. Good guy. Good guy. Well, that wraps up our last show of 2022. We do want to thank all of you for being with us. Remember, we have Patreon coming up. Tell your friends. We need more subscribers. We want to make this so big that when we die, we'll be put on our tombstones. So, so thank you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.